Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah everybody and welcome home. For the past few years we've always started our programs with this statement and we mean it because community is a place that we all should call home. A place that gives us peace, a place that gives us tranquility and a place that we know is going to be there. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes faith in the Quran, He mentions stability as being a requirement for faith to grow. Asluha thabit wa far'uha sama That its roots are firm and its branches grow to the sky. If we don't have stability, if we don't have permanence, if we don't know that something is going to be there for us, then our faith won't be able to grow. This is why when the Prophet ﷺ came to Medina and made the migration, the hijrah with his companions, at that moment, when they arrived at their new permanent home, he said the beautiful phrase, Afshus salam, spread peace. Why? Because peace can be attained now that we have a place that we can call home. For the past five years, Roots has been able to be a part of so many people's lives, alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah. And we're so honored to have that be a part of our legacy. But we've been doing it in temporary spaces. We've been doing it in hotel banquet halls, in masjid side rooms, in people's living rooms at home, and in temporary lease spaces where when we were signing the lease, we knew that this was not going to be there forever. But that can change. By the favor of Allah, with our foundational organization, Qalam, we've been able to find this beautiful property here in Carrollton, Texas that will be the permanent location and facility for the Roots Community Space. A place where everybody can feel that tranquility and have that growth of faith that Allah Ta'ala tells us about. We need your help to close on this property. We need you to generously donate and contribute whatever you can, adding your name to this list of people that will help build and construct a permanent home for us to build the model community following the example of the Prophet Muhammad in Medina. Help us make this dream a reality. Visit rootsdfw.org slash home. All right. Bismillah. How's everybody? Alhamdulillah. Okay. Really briefly, for three minutes, I want you guys to turn to each other, left and right. I want you to say salam, introduce each other, introduce yourself to somebody, hopefully they're new. And I want you to answer, hold on, wait, one second, one second. <laughs> Relax. I want you to answer this question, okay, to the person. So imagine that they're asking you this question. What's one thing you want to accomplish before your life ends? What's one thing you want to accomplish before your life ends? Okay, you have three minutes. If, you, if, if it's a friend, if it's somebody that you're like friends with, try to find someone you don't know. Okay, names. Name, introduction, and what's one thing you want to accomplish for your life now?
Perfecting Salah is not easy, man. It's not easy. Yeah, Abdullah, yeah. You have a good one? Man, you just put it on the spot. He raises his hand, he goes, he have a good one. Oh wow, mashallah. In honor of your mom. Free playing in Pakistan, mashallah. Mashallah. Allah make that easy for you, mashallah. I mean, you have a beautiful. Anyone else? Yeah. Yes, subhanAllah. Make it easier for your parents, man. It's really interesting, subhanAllah. Especially in the way the Quran talks about that, it's a really, really remarkable goal to have. You know, to be able to, to, to lower the wing of humility for them as the Quran describes it. Allah make it easy, inshallah. Anyone else? Anyone else? No, 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 no. No, okay. Well, why did I do this exercise? Because... Um, Part of the goal of reading the Qur'an and studying the Qur'an is to start having questions that go beyond the surface and to start asking yourself those questions. Um, hopefully, the stories in this chapter, uh, they really inspire us to start thinking beyond just like the day-to-day, the one-on-ones, right? And the reality is that the more you engage with the Qur'an, the more regularly, the less you start to get concerned or bothered by things that are like more petty, and the more you start to really think about and imagine really the important things in life. And ultimately, all of us know that the end of our time here is called death. That's when our life is taken, our soul is taken. And the reality is that none of us know when that is. And when I say that, I'm not saying that like a cliche. I mean, legitimately, none of us know when that is. And so the reality is we have to have these deeper questions that we ask ourselves and we have to do this more frequently. Because if you were uncertain about something, if you didn't know when something was going to happen, but you knew that you had to do something before that moment took place, you would actually think about it way more frequently than you do, right? If you knew that something was going to come and take away your chance at an opportunity, you would really focus on making sure you get that opportunity done. So think about these things, inshallah, and hopefully the Quran can inspire that uh, within us. Okay, so we are now going to... Uh, talk about, there's a little bit of a passage, subhanAllah, between each, each story. And the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or one of the beautiful wisdoms as to why this passage between each story exists, is because it acts as a beautiful summary, and also sort of an introduction, like a, tra- a transition, between the different stories. So you had the story of the sleepers of the cave, and then we went into the story of the uh, two men, the one with the two gardens, and the one who... Uh, did not have the wealth, okay? The two brothers, if you want to say that they were brothers or close friends, okay? So we get to the point now where we talked about how the wealthier brother, the wealthier man, who was given all this provision from Allah, his provision, his blessing, ultimately led him to deny very, very core principal beliefs of God. So his provision, his blessing, it spoiled him. Okay, like too much of a good thing can be a bad thing, right? So he got too much of a good thing and he wasn't able to handle it. And in his spoiling process, his heart started to feel and his tongue started to utter statements that went directly against what it means to believe in Allah. Okay, so a couple of those statements are, I don't think the day of judgment will ever happen. And even if it does happen, I don't think I'm going to have any issue. I'm not going to have any problems on that day. God will give me just like he gave me here. Now, when he said this, his companion, his friend, his brother replied to him. And he said to him that, are you disbelief? Are you like professing your disbelief now? Is this a moment where you're saying that you disbelieve in the one who created you from dust? And then he developed you from a drop of liquid and then formed you into who you are. So the, the brother now is reminding him of his humble origins, which is step number one. The minute you feel yourself floating away with arrogance or with a lot of sort of entitlement about the, the privileges that Allah has given you, the blessing, you have to humble yourself. You have to humble yourself. It's really important also to surround yourself with people that will, I don't want to say like, you know, take the wind out of your sails because you don't want to be around people that talk down to you or condescend. But it's really important to be, be with people who keep you honest. Okay? This is why the Prophet there's some advice in our religion not to constantly praise people. 
Exactly, right? Not to constantly praise, like that's how he feels about me, Ugh, right? This guy again, tomato, tomato, right? So you, you want to surround yourself with friends. And that's why, subhanAllah, the word nasiha in Arabic, it actually, a lot of us, we know nasiha to mean what? What's the translation that we've heard before? Can you give some nasiha? It means advice. It actually doesn't mean advice directly. Nasiha, advice is a byproduct of what nasiha is. Nasiha is sincerity. It actually comes from the derivation of sincerity. Why? Because if you have a sincere friend, that friend, if they're sincere, if they really care about you, then they're going to be the one that's going to give you that advice. They're going to give you that tough advice. One of the greatest regrets of the Day of Judgment, the person in Hellfire is going to look at their friends around them and is going to say, why did you do this to me? And they're going to regret, they're going to regret the fact that they chose people that wouldn't keep them honest. So it's important as you go through life, especially in the era that we are all in, right? The young professionals, when you really have to start deciding, like this is now, you know, you grew up with friends that you had to be friends with. You know what I'm talking about? Like the family friends, saw a lot of eye rolls. They're like, yeah, no, it's okay, right? You have memories and some of those chapters, they close and you're not as close with them. And then in, 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 there are friends that you meet in certain classes in college or the MSA, right? And then there are friends that you meet after that. And then there are friends. So there's a lot of friendship in life that's circumstantial. It's a byproduct of a reality. Like you don't have a choice, right? It's sink or swim. Like you got to be able to join with the crew. Sometimes it's to save your iman. Sometimes it's to save your grades, right? Choose all the smart friends, right? Sometimes it's, you know, but there are moments in life and all of us are kind of in that phase right now where you have to start being a lot more intentional about who you spend your time with. You have to think about these things because without realizing it, the people I spend my time with are going to form the beliefs that I have and the thoughts that I have and they're going to make me think about the world in a certain kind of way. So what this brother is doing to us might sound really harsh. Okay? Like, why? whoa, he's pushing back really hard. He's telling him, are you the one? Like, what kind of friend would tell you, like, did you just become kafir? That's kind of harsh. But in reality, the reality is, if I ever strayed so far as to state and deny something that was part of my belief, I would hope to God that there was someone next to me who would check me. I would hope to God. Because if there wasn't someone there, if I'm saying things or doing things that are just like acid for my iman, just tearing it away, just destroying my faith, and everyone around me is just smiling, those aren't the people I need to be around. Okay? So he, he tells him, he says, how can you say this? How can you just disbelieve in the one who created you? And he humbles him. You came from, you came from dirt, from dust. You came from a drop that was expelled from the genitals of your father into the womb of your mother. And then you came from nowhere. You know, there's a really beautiful story. And Hassan al-Basri one time ran into this arrogant guy and they kind of crossed paths and something happened. I forget the narration exactly. They either bumped into each other on accident or Hassan al-Basri like walked and didn't stop for him or something. There was some moment where the arrogant man felt like uh, threatened. He felt sort of like wronged. So he looks at Hassan al-Basri and says, do you know who I am? You know who I am? Hassan al-Basri, for those of us who, he's like, a, 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 you know, he's goaded, right? He's like a legend in the religious tradition, right? Classic, subhanAllah. You know what he says to him? And this is why. You'll see why he's goaded in a second. He looks at the guy and he says, do I know who you are? And the guy's like, yeah. Do you know who I am? Like, he thinks, I, and Hassan al-Basri says, yes, I know who you are. And the guy says, okay, good, right? As in like, okay, next time watch yourself. And he goes, you're just a drop of sperm that came out of your dad's genitals. Then you went into your mom's womb. You came out of her genitals. Then you lived a life and all you did was carry around feces in your intestines. And soon you're going to die and worms are going to eat your body. Okay, what he said, by the way, was true of everyone in this room. So don't feel bad for him, okay? Why did he do that? Why did he do that? I mean, talk about like, you don't want to, I mean, I don't know if I want to hang around that guy that much, right? That's very, very strong. Well, he did that because the strength of his response matched the strength of that guy's arrogance. That guy was literally telling him, you can't walk in front of me. You know who I am? So he said, okay, I can. 
If you want, I can reduce every human being to the most humiliating, most humble form. And that's what he did. Rahimahullah, subhanAllah. So, then the brother, he continues and he says that for me, as for me, the one that you just disbelieved in, Allah, he is my Lord. Who Allahu Rabbi. And I'm never, ever, I'm never, this person says, I'm never going to let my relationship with Allah suffer. I'm never going to divert my worship from Allah away anything. And then he reminds him, and he says, if you entered your Jannah, your garden, you just sort of said, Allah. just recognize, right? Just recognize that this is from Allah. You know, one of the key moments of becoming a better Muslim is looking past the gift and seeing the giver. If, if we can master that, look past the gift and see the one who gave. If a person can do that, their faith instantly triples, double, you know, whatever. It just goes sky. Everything you see in life that is like a privilege, a blessing, you look to the one who bestowed it, the giver of that gift, and your heart is humbled before Allah's power You're reminded of him. So he's telling him now that you and I are seeing the same thing. We both walk into your garden and one of us says that this is from Allah, the other one doesn't. The other one says that this is from me. And then he says, لا illa billah, That you should have just said that this is from Allah and there is no power except for Him. And he says, even though you see me as inferior, even though you see me as less to you in wealth and offspring, maybe for asa rabbi, that maybe Allah Ta'ala will give me something better than your garden. And He might in fact take away your garden by sending down calamity upon it, turning it into a barren land. Have you ever thought about that? He's asking his friend, what would you become without this Jannah? What would you become? Who would you be? Ask yourself this question, like who would you be without your degree? Who would you be without your car? Or your apartment? Or your clothes? Anything that you admire about yourself, remove it today. Who are you? Are you nobody? You know, the, the, the internet has a famous قول, a statement, right? That some things are not personality traits. People, we turn material objects into personality traits. Someone buys a house and all of a sudden, it's all about their zip code, man. You know what I mean? Like they move out from somewhere and, they, and, and it changes them completely. Someone gets a car and now they identify themselves as like, I am a BMW driver, right? On the Rishja, it's like, drive the BMW. <laughs> what are you talking about, you know? People really transform the most insignificant aspects of life. So transient, like can disappear in a second. So he's saying to him, have you ever thought about, have you ever imagined that it's possible that Allah could just take this away from you? Everything, right? And then what do you become at the end of that? Do you still have some identity, some purpose? Or is your purpose, now that your privilege is gone, now that your blessing is gone, is your purpose gone too? I, you know, you wonder, subhanAllah, like what kind of worshippers we would be if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took away some of the things He gave us. This is an important lesson from this surah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is including this conversation to remind us that although money itself is not evil, right? Money itself is not evil. Like we don't look at a dollar bill and say, Astaghfirullah. It's not najis, right? It's not like filthy, you can touch it, it's okay. I mean, it's physically filthy, but spiritually it's not, you know, it's not najis. Although money's not evil, if a person takes that money and they don't use it for the purpose that they should, it can become very, very detrimental to them. It can become, it's almost as if it's better off if they had nothing. Right? In philosophy, there's the question of, there's a question, this is kind of deep, so stay with me. There's everything that is, and then there's everything that ought. You guys ever heard this before? The is odd philosophy, the is odd problem. So, what they say, right, the material world wants you to believe that everything just is. This phone is, this computer is, this microphone is. And they want you to stop there, right? The materialist philosophy wants you to accept and appreciate and essentialize the thing for what it is. The moral philosophy, right, religion, believers, right, and for us, people who believe in Tawheed and Islam, we don't just believe that things are, we believe that things have a job. We believe that things have purpose, right? 
So this phone exists for what reason? Why does it exist? In the life of a Muslim, why does this phone exist? To, to call, yeah, you, someone said to your parents can call you and ask where you are. Maybe, right? To call your parents. What else? What other good deeds? Right? Adhan clock. One that doesn't steal your data. What else? Kibla direction. Very good. Stop praying southwest. What else? Someone's praying towards Hawaii. Some brothers. Like, well, the earth is round. It'll get there eventually. No. Right? That's not how that works. What else? Got some lectures. Watching rooms. MashaAllah. Tabarakullah. Right? Becoming a sustainer. Okay? What else? Donating charity. What else? I mean, reading Quran. You guys understand the point? So we are a people that don't just stop at this is. We say this ought to be. Or this ought to do. Right? So that's what his brother is telling him. He's saying this garden for you, it just is. You're walking into this garden, you're celebrating. You didn't even look past the gift and see the giver. You didn't look past and say, MashaAllah, la quwwata illa billah. So this garden actually, to be quite real, he's kind of dropping it on him. He says what? He says, it's better off that you didn't have it. Because this is going to destroy you. And so he says, imagine now. He's, he's painting the picture before his eyes. Imagine. Maybe you look at me and you think that I'm some poor miskeen and you don't have to help me. That's fine. That's fine. He says, but it might be the case that Allah Ta'ala will grant me something better than your garden. Which is what? A garden where? In the afterlife. Look, you might feel bad for me because I don't have what you have here, but if I can stay straight on this path with Allah, I might have better than what, what you have here. That's what he's saying. And he says, likewise, Allah might actually cause this to disappear. He might cause it to turn into a barren waste. And the water that Allah is providing in the next ayah, 41, it might sink into the earth. And that water that was so abundant, that was irrigating all your crops, that was bringing about all of your fruit, all the flowers, all of the the vegetation, everything that you were celebrating, that water, if Allah takes it away, you're done for. Right? So he's kind of reducing him now. What happens next? Ayah number 42. Spoiler alert. Exactly what the brother wanted. Now, he didn't make dua for this, so don't go make dua against your friends, right? I hope this happens to you. So you come back to Islam. No. Right? We don't do that. But he's warning him, and then subhanAllah... It is the case. How many of you guys, your parents warned you of something over and over and over and over and over? And you're like, I got this. And then 20 years later, you're like, I do not got this. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's simple. Like when I remember when I was younger, my mom's like, wear your coat. It's cold outside. I'm like, no, it's not. Can't cover up the fit, right? <laughs> and then as I'm walking, right, in Chicago in, J- in January or February, I'm like, it is cold. And I come home, my mom sees that my fingers have frostbite. And she's not really, right? It's an exaggeration. And she looks at me and she says, And she's like, were you okay? I said, I was fine. And she's like, no, you weren't, right? The reality is sometimes the warning is so accurate because it's part of the nature of our life. Like you're going to go through these times. Allah Ta'ala warns us again and again and again. You have friends in your life who warn you again and again and again. Don't do it. Don't do that, Right? Don't talk, don't text, do it the right way. Don't go there, stay here. And we keep pushing the limits. And Allah is so kind, man. Allah, you know, Omar al-Khattab one time, I'll tell you a story, it's really interesting. He caught a man, he caught a man who was stealing in the marketplace, okay, during his khilafah. And the man was brought to him, a man was caught, he didn't catch him, a man was brought to him, he was stealing in the marketplace. And you know, stealing, obviously it's a big sin, it's a big deal. And think about it, like the impact of stealing, like you're actually taking money away, you're taking food away from the mouths of these people's children, subhanAllah, because you're stealing their product, right? So he goes to the to Umar, and they bring him in front. And he says, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen. He goes, please, please. It was my first time. I swear to you. I swear I'll never do it again. And Omar says, you're a liar. And he says, what? He goes, you're a liar. He says, what do you mean? He goes, Allah is so kind, He never lets you get caught on your first time. He never busts you on the first time. <laughs> it's so true, man. Wallahi is true. I see a lot of shaking heads. You know it, right? Ask yourself if Allah caught you the first time you did something wrong. If Allah busted you, right? It doesn't happen, subhanAllah. So, 
He warns him again and again. And eventually what happens? Allah Ta'ala says in the next ayah 42. And, and by the way, the guy admitted it. He's like, you're right. It wasn't my first time. I'm like, you're right. There you go. He's like, I just got to admit it now. He says, and so all of his produce was totally ruined. Allah Ta'ala caused exactly what was described to happen. And he started to, the, 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 um, the wording is interesting, okay? It says, فَأَصْبَحَ يُقَلِّبُ كَفَيْهِ That he started to like turn his hands, which is a description that the tafsir says. He started to like slap his hands, which is an, at the time was an expression of absolute shock. Like it's almost like, you know, they say, pinch me. He started like, slapping himself, like, are you serious? He started slapping He's like, I gotta wake up. Is this really happening? Like one day you're a billionaire, the next day you're about to lose it all. So he started slapping his hands while everything is collapsing in front of him. And he says, he calls out to Allah, وَيَقُولُ يَا وَيْلَتَنِ He says, what? يَا لَيْتَنِي لَمْ أُشْرِكْ بِرَبِّ أَحَدًا He says, yeah, 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 is like a very, very interesting. is like a very interesting phrase. It basically is like um, I don't want to use this phrasing, but you know how we say it starts with an F, ends with an L, three letters. Okay, never mind. All right, it's a phrase that people use to describe when they're upset with themselves. F blank L. Astaghfirullah. Okay, I'm just gonna put that out there. That's literally what he's saying. He's calling to his destruction. He's calling to his own destruction. Like, I'm done. I'm done. You don't have to share it right now. It's okay. You can just tell people later, okay? It's Urban Dictionary, okay? Everyone's like, let me explain. Let me do the test here. F, fa, meme, lam, right? Okay? So, is, is essentially the same meaning. Like, he, he's so overwhelmed with shock. That he's like, I just want to disappear. I can't believe this is happening to me. And he says, I wish I had never violated. I wish I had never turned away from Allah. I wish I had never done that. Now, when you read this ayah, and you look at some of the tafsir of this ayah, you see something very interesting, okay? Obviously, it's a good sign. He recognizes that Allah is there. He's remembering Allah in this time. But I will tell you something that is very critical for all of our faith to be sincere, okay? And that is that every good decision has a window of time in which it is more effective. Every good choice has like a window of time in which it is effective. And then at the end of that window of time, if we let it pass, it doesn't go to zero necessarily, but pretty close, right? 0. 0.00001. Why? Because when the eyes see and the ears hear and the mind and the heart experience the warning, the regret isn't as sincere. The, the concern, the caution, the taqwa isn't as legit as it was. Okay? Like if you tell someone to trust you and they don't trust you until you've proven that they have to trust you, the trust really isn't that strong, is it? You can't even call it trust. You're like, I have, to, I have to demonstrate to you why you should trust me before you even give me the dignity of giving me a chance. This is what Allah is saying here. This person calls out and says, I wish, I wish I did not turn away from Allah. But at that point, the tafsir says, it's too late. I'll give you another example. Everyone's tawbah, everyone's repentance on the face of the earth will be accepted. Say astaghfirullah. If you say astaghfirullah, Allah will forgive you. And this will last forever until a certain point. What's that point? Huh? When the sun what? When the sun rises from? The west. Okay? Yeah. When the sun rises from the west. Why? What is that a sign of? It's one of the like manifestly apparent signs of the day of judgment. You can't. One, that is the sign of the day of judgment, when the sun rises from the west. So if that happens, and then everyone's like, oh my goodness, oh Allah, forgive me. It's too late. The hadith says that at that point, the book is closed. Because why? Because you had your life to trust the message. You had your entire life. 
but you had to wait until there was an undeniable sign. Okay? So many of us, we go through in life, we make decisions, and we know, whether it's internal or external, we're being reminded, don't do this, don't do this, don't make better choices, make better choices, do the right thing, do the right thing. And we keep persevering the wrong way. And then we get caught. And then we get in trouble. And then something happens. And it's, it's, it's not good, right? It's beyond repair even sometimes. And we say to ourselves, like, man, I'm gonna, I, I gotta turn myself around. And then we almost expect, subhanAllah, very selfishly, like all of the impact and all of the things that happen along the way should just disappear. But that's not how this works. That's not how this works. I remember my friend once he got dumped and he was crying a lot. And he kept listening to like sad music, like Drake and John Mayer and all this stuff. And he just kept listening to this stuff. And he was like, Basically, he said, like, I don't know why it keeps hurting. Like, when am I going to get over this? And I said, sometimes, man, when you do the crime, you got you to gotta do the time. Like, if you commit the crime, you got to do the time. The reality is, like, you spent months and years in a relationship that, quite frankly, is not sanctioned by Allah. And there's a warning out there. There's a warning to people. Look. You have the choice to do what you like, but you are risking yourself. You are putting your heart in the hands of somebody that might not do well with it. And they might leave you hurting and crying. And so what? Islam says, just do it the right way. Allah wants us to, to fall in love and have beautiful relationships. That's, that's there. He's just like, do it the right way so you don't hurt yourself. Because you might hurt yourself. And then we sit there hurt, crying listening to Drake, right? And all these sad songs. And we're like, why does this hurt? I'm going to be a better Muslim, Allah. Take it away, right? It's part of a lot, man. You do the crime, you got to do the time. It is what it is. So this guy now is saying, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. But the reality is, subhanAllah, it's too late. May Allah Ta'ala allow us to come back before it's too late. Right? This is the reality. You know, you never, ever, ever want to have regret when your window is done. Work and use the regret. If you feel, if that siren is going off inside of you, no matter how muted it is, no matter how quiet it is, if that alarm is going off inside of you, don't wait until things, don't wait until the concrete has dried. Make the changes now. Right? This is what this lesson of this man is teaching us, subhanAllah. Allah Ta'ala then says, ayah number 43, that at this point, he had no power he had no ability, no help to help himself. He had no one to give him any sort of aid and he couldn't help himself. And it's in those moments when you are at your lowest and subhanAllah, the veils of desire, the veils of sin are like taken away from the eyes. And everything is clear. You can see everything as it is. And you're like, I get it now. I get why this is haram. I get why this is a problem. I totally understand. He says that this is when you realize that the support that you needed the whole time comes from Allah. And instead of asking for it after the fact, you need to ask for it before, during, and after. It needs to be constant. And it says that he is the one who is the best in reward and the best in outcome. Okay? Now Allah Ta'ala here he gives us another example, ayah number 45. He says, وَضْرِبْ لَهُمْ مَثَلَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا He says, what? Strike them again, وَضْرِبْ لَهُمْ Strike them again with an example of this life. So now Allah, this is like, a, a, it's like a summary. He just finished a beautiful story and he gave us kind of like a lot of heavy lessons, right? Now he's saying, you want to know what this life is like? Because what he's going to do now is connect you with the garden. Right? This whole time we've had this nice barrier between us and that guy. We, we've been able to look at him and be like, bad decisions, man. Why do you keep buying gardens, man? Should have given that, you should have, you know, you should have given the guy money when he asked for it. Why do you keep making the same mistake over and over again? Okay? So Allah Ta'ala in his wisdom, now he's going to give it. He says, Hold on, don't go so fast. Let me explain to you what this life is like. Because everyone has a garden. Everyone in this room has their desire, their garden. Even some tafsir, 
One of the warnings they wrote in that ayah, the scholars said, this is, they were talking to other scholars. So the, the, the scholar, the sheikh, is writing this explanation, and then he knowledge like this. He's reminding the scholar, be humble, right? So everyone here is at risk. You have to know in your life, what's your garden? What's your test? What's the thing that Allah has given you? And you're in a fine line. You're delicately balancing whether it's pulling you away or bringing you closer to him. Everyone has to know, okay? So he says, give him the example that this is the hayat of dunya. What is it like? It's just like when water comes raining down from the heavens. Do you guys see it rain last week, mashallah? Our Ashura dua was accepted, mashallah. I got emotional with the rain, mashallah. It's like 60 days no rain. That's crazy. You're begging Allah to come take care of the earth, subhanAllah. Okay? So he says, like, when water comes down from the, from the heavens, and what happens? That Allah Ta'ala, He mixes it, that water, with the vegetation, with the vegetation of the earth. So Allah Ta'ala, He sends down the rain. Now what happens when the rain comes down? What happens to the vegetation of the earth? Everybody? What happens, guys? Everyone's like, I don't know. I'm from the city, right? What happens when it rains? Things grow. Does grass grow? Do plants grow? Do trees grow? Yeah, everything grows. Water is essential, guys. Remember three things. Musa just learned this today. In kindergarten, okay? Water, sun, and? Dirt. Soil, yes. Very good. Dirt. Very good, yeah. Okay? You must be from the south. Dirt. <laughs> so Allah sends down water from the heavens, okay? And it mixes with the soil. And then Allah Ta'ala allows the soil to grow and the vegetation starts to come up and people start to benefit from it. They start to harvest the crop. They start to sit in the shade of the trees. They start to sit on the grass. Remember, this Quran is being sent as well to like desert Arabs. So they're imagining now all this happening. And they're thinking like, man, some rain sounds good right now. But then what happens? Then the rain stops. And that plant or that vegetable or that fruit or that tree or whatever that was growing in the absence of water, what occurs to it? it starts to shrivel up and it starts to dry up and it, and it dies. And before you know it, that same plant that was so full of life, so full of energy, beauty, right? With the absence of the water, with the, when Allah Ta'ala pulls the rain, everything starts to crumble and Allah Ta'ala says what? He says that it starts to get cut up and eventually, even the wind can easily blow it away. Like one gust of wind, and all of those beautiful leaves that you saw on the tree, they're on the ground now, and they blow away. And then he says, what? He says, And Allah Ta'ala is over all things capable. How did this just describe this worldly life? Because remember, Allah began by saying, this is an example of your life. What's an example of your life? He just described the cycle of life of plants. You tell me, what do you guys think when you read this? When Allah says, this is the example of your life. Anybody? Yes? You start off as dirt, then you reach a certain peak, and then you start slowly getting worse and worse. Yeah, if you ever want to see the example of your life, just look at a plant, you should grow some mint, and then let it die, subhanAllah, right? <laughs> You should grow something and then watch it, watch it die. And you know what's interesting is sometimes, like, have you guys ever tried to grow a plant and it didn't grow? And it just died on you? Yeah. Everybody? COVID? Yeah? <laughs> Pretty much, right? 2020? Right? In the for all the plants and all the banana bread that we massacred, okay? <laughs> SubhanAllah. Imam Razi says that you look at the plant and you're like, you feel sorry for it that it was once a plant. He's like, this is you. He's like, this is you. You were nothing. You were dirt. And then Allah Ta'ala sprinkled some water. He blessed you with provision. And He grew you. And you went from being this, this, this baby, this infant, that at a week old couldn't even see, couldn't properly hear, relied on milk, that's all you could drink, that's all you could eat, 
couldn't even clean yourself. Your only mechanism of survival was screaming, was crying. Think about it. Have you guys ever heard a baby cry? You know why I know why they can cry? You wanna know why Allah gave them those pipes? You wanna know why? Because if they don't have it, they're not they might not be able to call you. So Allah gave infants incredible voices. Decibels that don't make sense. Well, I'm telling you, that little creature can scream to warn you of a tornado. Like that siren is powerful. Okay, why? Because it's a survival mechanism. And then you went from that stage of helplessness, that weakness, and you started to get stronger and more confident, and you started to get stronger and stronger, until eventually you reach the height of your strength, you peak. And then what happens after you peak? You start getting sore. You can't stay up as late anymore. As the friends say, you can't hang, right? You play basketball and your legs hurt for a few days. You try to take a tray of cookies out of the oven, you pull your back, right? Your friend's like, how'd you pull your back? You're like, embarrassed to say that it was because of cookies, right? You try to lift something, you can't lift it. I told you guys the story of my mom's power, man. I'll never forget. She used to be able to carry a TV in 1995 out of the house. A TV, not this, the big box ones. And then 10 years later, asked me to help her carry milk. The reality of life. You're weak, and then you become strong, and then you start to become weak again. Allah Ta'ala here is saying that you are just like the cycle that you see outside. You're just like it. You look at the tree, and you look at the earth, and you see it come to life when Allah Ta'ala sends down rain. And then you see it die right in front of you. Right? So what is the purpose then of that tree? You should use it when it's what? When it's full of life. The tree doesn't serve any purpose when it's just branches. The tree, when it's just branches, it isn't beautiful and it isn't functional. The, 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 the apples, when they're not there, no one wants to go apple picking when the season is done. Right? Using your time that Allah has given you at the right moment, the right time. Why do you think that one of the people under the shade of the throne of Allah on the Day of Judgment is the person who when they have all the opportunity in the world, they have everything at their disposal, and someone comes to them and offers and proposes, right? Proposes premarital relations, the person says, I fear Allah, right? We're not talking about a person who is like way later in life, a lot to lose, a lot to risk. We're talking about somebody who's in the prime of their life, a young man, a young woman. And the Prophet says on the Day of Judgment, one of the people that will be in the shade of Allah under his throne when there's no shade is the person that has every chance, every opportunity to lie, to get away with it, to set up the perfect opportunity and they say that I fear Allah. Or the young person that spends their time in the masjid. Because when you make the right choice, when you have all of that opportunity, all of that privilege, it shows that you're a real one. It shows that you have faith. So Allah Ta'ala here says, think of yourself in this worldly life. And the reality, Imam Razi says, is that if you know that you are extinct, if you know that you're eventually going to die, just like the tree, and he says that you should never ever become infatuated with this life knowing that it's going to end. You guys ever bought something that you looked forward to for a long time? You guys ever waited for a package? Don't be shy. We've all done. You guys ever looked somewhere in the doorbell? You go running, right? And then you just see it's nothing. And then you go back. You guys ever been excited to receive something? Okay. You guys remember the feeling? You get it. Up until the day that you get that thing, it's as if you can't live without it. You're literally imagining, like, I can't. If Amazon tells you it's delayed, all right, as my mother would do. If Amazon says this is delayed, to hedge with that night against Jeff, right? <laughs> we, have, we have this within us, okay? Fast forward 90 days. Fast forward 90 days. The first scratch, the first scuff, the first bird poop on your car, the first, whatever, the first stain on the carpet, the first stain on your shirt, whatever it is. 
what happens? You literally were at a phase where you cannot imagine life without it, and now you can't even find it anymore. That's the dunya. Don't become obsessed with something that the minute that you get it, it starts to disintegrate. It's like grabbing something and it just starts falling between your hands. Imam Razi says, don't fall in love with this stuff. Don't fall in love with this stuff. Rather, Allah Ta'ala says in the next ayah, Al-Malu Al-Banuna, Zinatul Hayat Al-Dunya. I hope none of your parents quoted this to you. Okay? So that wealth and children are the adornment of this worldly life. وَالْبَاقِيَاتُ الصَّالِحَاتِ خَيْرٌ عِنْدَ رَبِّكَ ثَوَابًا وَخَيْرٌ أَمَلًا But the everlasting deeds are the things that are ultimately going to be better when it comes to your Lord, and they are going to be the things that will give you the greatest reward and the greatest hope on the Day of Judgment. Okay? So what is this talking about? Children, especially in the time of the Arabs, were a big deal. If you had children, you were noble, you were, your status in society went up, and by the way, you also had a workforce. The more kids you had, there was no such thing as child labor laws. The more kids you had, the, the less employees you had to pay. You know what I'm talking about? So children were a big deal. And the bigger tribe you had, the more honor, the more shut off your tribe had. Right? So that's one of the... And then wealth. Allah Ta'ala says, these are the things that people chase after. They want to have a big house and a big family. But subhanAllah... The moment you get what you're chasing, you realize that these things are just as temporary as everything else. These things are just as temporary as everything else. Today was my kid's first day of school. I was a mess. You know you expect the kids to cry, right? Everyone's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine, leave me alone. My kids are like, bye, bye, bye. I'm like, bye. <laughs> I'll tell you something, man. I see a lot of babies here. I'll tell you something. You know when people tell you it goes by fast? Wallahi, it goes by fast. I had the saddest thought. It's crazy, man. You have, <clears throat> everything you have is just temporary. Even if it's like the thing that you live for, it's not with you forever. It's so painful. Think of yourselves. Don't look at me and say that's so cute. <laughs> Think about your parents. Think about what they did for you. And then think about at a moment's notice, I got a job, I gotta go. Get on a plane and you leave. And they're sitting at the door and they understand. Parents get it. My mom told me when I left Chicago, fourth holy city in the world when I left. <laughs> and I came here to be a youth director and to study with Sheikh Abdel Nasser. I came here to study primarily and then I needed to pay bills, so I took a job. She told me 10 years later that she held her tears at the door and didn't cry until I left. Because she didn't want me to be weak. Don't look at me with Musa, look at your own reality. The one who will do anything for you, and the way that Allah created this universe, is that even that relationship can't last forever. Even that relationship isn't gonna be eternal. Like I, I, I wiped poop off his butt, man. And one day he's gonna leave me. And you can't be heartbroken about it because it's the nature of life. You can't. Al-mal, al-mal wal-banun. You work so hard for your wealth and look, you spend it and it's gone. But you can't be mad because that's just the way that Allah created this dunya. So then what's left? The only thing that will be with you are your good deeds. That's it. So when you have to think about what you're going to give yourself for, what you're going to invest this for, what you're going to sacrifice for, you have to ask yourself, is it going to last beyond me? Or is it going to leave me hanging? Imam al-Ghazali in his book, Ayyuhal Walad, he writes about this. There was a person who said, I noticed that everybody had things they love, people, friends, family, whatever. 
and then I watch that person go from their friends. So like imagine a timeline. Friends, family, laughing, good times, parties, weddings, this, that. Buys a house, buys a car, all these things. And eventually at some point they get sick. And all those social gatherings, all those good times, everything just stops. And then the sickness gets worse. And then it gets terminal. And then they have three days to live. And then they have one day to live. And all of the people start falling off. Until eventually the person is surrounded by maybe a few, just their family, and then they pass away. And then the janitor is prayed, and then they're buried. And even the family that was with them in the, in the room when they passed away, they can't go with them in the grave. Imam Ghazali says, I looked at that whole story, I saw it play out every time. And I realized, why did I give myself fully to these things that are gonna leave me hanging at the hospital and then at the emergency room and then at my deathbed and then at my grave. Why would I give myself away to these things that aren't gonna stay with me? He said, I realized the only thing that'll stay with me are those five prayers, are the fasting of Ramadan, is the sadaqah that I gave away the hajj that I made. Those are the things that are going to be with me in my grave. Defending me. Surah Al-Mulk will take the shape of a beautiful human being. Will come and say, I'm going to defend you. Because you read me every night. Surah Al-Mulk. And if any punishment comes from the angels for any sin that we did. Surah Al-Mulk says, nah, not this one. He kept me as a companion during his life, so I'm with him now. So Imam Ghazali said, I decided that I was going to make my friends my good deeds. Why? That's the thing that's going to matter the most. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give us that. We ask Allah Ta'ala to make all of our deeds the good ones that are everlasting. We ask Allah Ta'ala to grant us the ability to have clear perspective and to not only feel regret when the time is up. We ask Allah Ta'ala to allow us to have those U-turns, those moments in life where we can come back to Him and that we can choose to invest ourselves in the things that are everlasting and not those things that will perish right before our eyes. Amin, amin, ya Rabbi. Alameen. Barakallahu everybody.